some pretty amazing mums up here this morning. Um, but I know that one of the first questions that we sent out to you was, or um, something that you wanted to share, was a favourite story or experience about being a mum. So I thought we'd kick off there, just sharing about, um, yeah, whether it's a funny story or an experience, an anecdote, whatever you'd like to give us from your many years of experience of, of being incredible mums. Well... There's so many to choose from, being a mum. You think, oh, from when they're a baby and they vomit on you, um, right up until they're 14 and they still want to come give you a hug. So it's it, there's so much. But um, one thing that, you know, I was really thinking of that has really touched me, um, and it's not a real funny one, but, like, a f- just a few weeks ago... Um, Everyone knows my daughter, Chloe. She's just the sweetest little girl ever. And I was quite sick. And so it was really interesting because um, I sort of had dizzy spells and I wasn't very well. And it was she come up to me and she just, um, you know, come up and she started praying for me. And um, the next day I kept the kids home because I couldn't drive the car. And so she just would, like, grate apple up and put sugar on it and bring it up. And just she really nurtured me and really took care of me and really prayed Um over me and you know what God was showing me was the generational blessings that we're creating in our children you know and she wasn't I wasn't if I asked her or anything like that but um I guess the best experience one of them is watching your kids and watching the gifts that they have really come out like um and with Daniel, like, he's so different and experiencing that, like, Dan is definitely, he wants a Lamborghini and he wants to be a millionaire. So, you know, he, um, he, he invested his own money, bought an egg incubator, you know, got the eggs, sold the chickens. And then I, the day I knew he was going to be an entrepreneur is he said, Mom, I think I'm going to play Chloe two bucks and she can water the eggs for me. So... <laughs> You know, it was just like, so my experience as a mum, it's so different, but I just love the way that their giftings are coming out and just, um, yeah, just just being able to experience that with them and watching them grow. That was awesome, Cass. Um, I'm like Cass, I couldn't really think of one particular thing because we have six kids. And so (laughs) we have a... (laughs) We have a busy household and a lot goes on in, in um, you know, 24 hours. Um, so I couldn't really narrow it down, but all I kept thinking of was just how um, God's used each one of them uh, to bless me as a mum. Um, I have to say, you know, I'm probably not the most patient of mothers, <laughs> looking at Daniel. Um, but one thing that I kept thinking about this morning was that, you know, sometimes you can have the most full-on day and a day full of challenges and it's like you know I've got six it feels like six thorns in my side and you're trying to get everything done but what amazes me is that you know we serve a God who is love and love conquers all things and I can be stressed out and do all those things that I do as a mom but at the end of the day what always amazes me is that the kids will always say good night mommy have a good sleep I love you and that really touches my heart because I think, oh, now I feel bad because I yelled and, you know. Um, but, it, but, but, but they're like that every day. Like even like Daniel, like I can give him like a word, a firm word about something and he'll be like, <laughs> and he'll be just look at me and he'll be like, 
thanks, Mum. I really needed that. I love you. <laughs> and it's like, I think it's just so little things. Because I couldn't think of one big thing for out of the six. But, you know, I just really blessed them, like um, Cass was saying, just blessed to be able to see them grow and be able to see what you've, the part I've played as a mum, partnering with God and, and seeing those seeds grow and, and, and flourish. And that's just amazing in itself. So, yeah. Um, I'm much the same as um, dear old Silla here. Not old, sorry. Dear Silla here. Um, um, I have four children and they're slightly younger um, and we are an incredibly busy household. So they all have several after school and before school activities and things like this. Um, so I actually, I couldn't think of just one again. Um, so I actually asked my children in the car on the way down this morning. I said, what do you think I should share about? And um, so, of course, we went through the, the humorous ones that I really shouldn't share publicly um, and the ones that were far too embarrassing for a 12-year-old. Um, so we, we narrowed it down to our family camping trip. So two years ago, we went on a family camping trip. Um, every two years, we go to a little fishing village um, by the name of Loriton. And I used to go there um, as I was, when I was a child. Um, and now we've started taking our own children there. So every two years we go down. My great-grandparents and my grandparents' ashes are scattered there. And so we climb down a cliff face, um, which seemed like a good idea when we scattered the ashes at the base of this tree. It's now since become a bit overgrown and leech-infested and um, it, it's kind of an interesting process, but the kids love it. Um, so the children have learnt about leeches, which was an interesting process. And, um, yes, um, so these things are what I would say make a disaster of a holiday. So this one particular one, which was two years ago, um, we were camping and it rained, torrential rain. So my brother has a caravan and my parents have their caravan and um, all this sort of stuff. Well, we had a tent and so that's okay. However, it was pouring rain. So the water went under our tent and we actually camped on top of a drain, which we didn't realise at the time. So underneath our tent turned into a massive mud pile. And when I'm talking mud, I'm talking worms, I'm talking squelchy under your feet, you lay in your bed and it stank and it was awful. And Because it's only over Easter, we're like, do we really pack up and move? Because moving four children and a camping site is actually like a really big deal. So we just stuck it out with this thought, well, you know, whatever. So the kids would wake up in the morning and lift up the mats and count the worms under the mats. And, and I'm talking, it was repulsive. And I was so horrified. And my children remember that as one of their most amazing memories, the leeches and the worms. And it kind of speaks to me as the mess of motherhood. Um, and they remember it so positively. Matthew had a broken leg at the time, so we actually were wrapping his leg in garbage bags and he's squelching through the mud and all this sort of stuff, and, of course, I'm thinking of infections and, you know, all that sort of stuff, but you know what? It just... We didn't even unpack when we got home. We just went camping again and just dried everything out at a different campsite. Um, but it just spoke to me of the mess of motherhood, that the imperfect is perfectly fine. And, um, yeah, it was really good. So, yeah. I love that. The imperfect is perfectly fine. <laughs> but um, that definitely convinced me that's definitely why we are not a camping family, honey. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, yeah, I have just been so blessed. My little girl Zara is three, and we're about to have the second one any any moment now. But um, motherhood has just been such an incredible blessing to me. I just absolutely love it, adore it. At moments, you know, you want to tear your hair out and you feel like you're stretched beyond capacity. Um, But, you know, there's just these special little moments where they come up to you and they give you a hug. Or, you know, I was laying in bed this morning and Zara came and whispered, Happy Mother's Day, Mummy, in my ear. And, you know, it's just those moments that melt your heart. But what I love about, well, I love being a mum of girls because that's what I've got and that's what we're having next. But Zara just absolutely loves to dress up. And so we have these dress-up parties. And I wanted to show you a photo this morning of all of the dress-up moments of Zara. She is. (laughs) She is truly a little princess. But um, every mother would have one of those pictures, I think, of lipstick all over the face. (laughs) That was one Sunday afternoon, and you know when they're quiet, they're up to no good. And so I walked into her bedroom, and there she was with my bright pink lipstick all over her face, all over the cupboards, Um, but she was having a blast. So, yeah, I love those experiences, even though they're messy, they're fun. Cool. So our next question was, how can we demonstrate and show the love of God um, that he shows us? How can we demonstrate that through our parenting? This, this was just, just so beautiful because it just reflects the Father's heart to us. You know, we have such a loving God and such a loving Father. So, um, you know, as, as I, was, I was thinking about this last night and just, um, you know, really reflecting on how can we, you know, one of the things that, that come for me was just to be with them in the moment to really be genuine and to be sitting with the kids and when they want our attention to really listen to them and, and um, you know, because God wants to know every detail and be with us with every single detail of our lives, the good stuff and the bad stuff and that's how he loves us so well because it's that deep relationship that grows from that. And so... When I was reflecting on that, I thought about my relationship with Dan and and with Chloe and they're both so very different. But in saying that, it's like when I'm with Dan, I just want to sit and say like, you know, what's going on in your world? You know, how was your day? And I'll probably get a couple of words out of Dan now. Like it is like I have to wait till he gets home. He's had his head in the fridge and he's full of food. (laughs) And then I can sort of get some. I try to do it in the car, but it's like, no, I just have to wait till he has food in his belly. But with Chloe, and, and he'll, he'll give me just a few words, you know, and, but it's still very meaningful and just to have that time or that one-on-one time with them. And then with Chloe, it's like how... And then she'll just go on for ages. I'm thinking, oh, she's just like me. So, um, you know, it's for me to, to... I think it's just to be in that moment, to really love in, in that moment. And the scripture that I just kept getting um, was... Um, And just another thing, actually, on that which I found was sometimes to love my children well is um, because as mums we tend to want to do anything for our kids. And this was a real key that that I got showed for me anyway was that sometimes we would do anything for them, but sometimes it's the things that we don't do for them that show them that we love them well as as well. It's like, um, you know, for Dan giving him more responsibility 
you know, allowing him and me not fearing that and trusting God that he's going to make some bad choices and loving him through them because he will because he's human as we all are. So that was a real big thing um, with with loving well as well as like so we don't create children who are codependent and we don't enable them in things that we give them like God loves us well by giving us choice and I think that's how we can love our kids well by giving them those choices and showing them that they're valued. So um, the scripture I guess that I had with that for um, loving others well is also being allowed is allowing them to love us well so we can reach that that relationship again um, seeing them do good but you know, is is just that, you know, loving our God with all our heart and loving others well and loving ourselves well. And I think the more we grow in that, the more we it's just a process of learning. So that's sort of what I my take away from that. Thanks, Cass. Um, mine was similar to Cass. Um, as I was just asking the Lord to show me myself in his eyes. And um, most days I'm... I'm quite task focused and I've been raised in a family where you always serve others and that's just how you love on people you they come to your house you give them a cup of tea you give them something to eat you know you show your love that way so I've continued that with my children but as time's gone on I've started to see that I think my kids just see that I'm just busy too busy for them so this is what the Lord was showing me anyway so um so my takeaway from the question was that um, I've learnt to spend more time with the Lord so that I can be still. I can learn to be still so when I'm with the kids, I can just be there. I can just be in that moment without, um, and not even having to get up to do something, but not even doing stuff in my mind. I used to be there with the kids, but in my mind, I'm cleaning this, doing that, fixing that. But and they, and they pick up on that. I, I noticed, and um, I'd be like, Kiana's talking to me, and I'm cleaning, and, and she's like, da-da-da-da-da-da, and, and she's like, oh, you're not even listening. I said, I'm listening, I'm listening. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. And she's done it a lot lately, so I've gone into my time of prayer, and I've asked the Lord about it, and he says, because you need to learn just to be still, because you can give your kids this and that and, and whatever. He said, but at the end of the day, it's like me as your father. I just want to be with you. They just want to be with you. So I've had to learn that um, the hard way. So now I enjoy the time I have for them. And Kiana says to me a lot, and so does Shiloh, are you going to work? Are you going to work again? And like, I'm like, yes. They're like, oh, we miss you. And But the other two, Zion and Ra, you know, are you going to work? And I'm like, yes. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like, so I kind of look more to little ones. It's like, you want mummy to stay home? And, you know, they're all loving on me. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that's the biggest thing, validating them where they're at, what's going on in their world, and, and just put things aside because that stuff can be done, you know, any time. So, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, it's funny how everything's just a little bit similar but just a slightly different tangent. Um, because I kind of um, went on the same sort of thing about um, just loving our children where they're at. So not expecting them to be, um, you know, miniature adults. They're, they're not. They're children. And um, what somebody once told me when I was in the middle of motherhood and dirty nappies and all the rest of it, and they just said, just enjoy every age and every stage. And I kind of just went, yeah, okay. 
But you know what? That's kind of stuck with me. Um, I'm really enjoying at the moment um, being a mother of a preteen um, and seeing him grow and develop. Um, I'm enjoying being the mother of a four-year-old who thinks that my superpower is giving awesome huggles. Um, you know, so, and of course, then I've got Jordan in between who signs every Mother's Day card from your favourite child, because <laughs> that's Geordie. And Libby, who wrote me a card this morning and said, Happy Mother's Day, but mother was spelt M U B O, because it seemed to be the right thing to, how to spell it. So, um, so I am enjoying every age and every stage, and I kind of encourage you, mums and, and dads, to enjoy the age and stage, um, because you know, they say that the the days are long, but the years are short. Um, and so when I look at my gigantic folding mountain that never seems to dissipate, and I look at the the fact that I've just changed someone's bed and they're underlaying everything else and then they decide to vomit that night, and I kind of go, you know what, this will, this will pass. This too shall pass. And... <laughs> And I'm going to miss it. And I have a... Somebody said, we celebrate the small things in our family. So we have family claps. So if somebody does something cool, like they get a, an award on assembly, we have a family clap. So we we clap them. For, so, um, so they might say, hey, Dad, you did an awesome job playing guitar today in Kids Church. Family clap. And they'll do a family clap. And it sounds a bit corny, but it actually celebrates the small things. Um, yeah, so... Um, the other thing that I heard once and it really struck home to me was um, you, you vacuum the carpet and I vacuum the carpet and then I turn around and my kids have got a packet of popcorn or uh, I vacuum the carpet and then Nate's decided to build 15 towers of Lego and, you know, become a sumo wrestler and knock them all down. Um, and then I go and visit my mum and she has no children living at home and the grandkids come and she's got vacuum lines in her carpet and I look at her and I go, Mom, I would love to walk into my lounge room and have vacuum lines. And she just looked at me one day and she goes, you know what, I would love to walk into my lounge room and see Lego all over the floor. And so, you know what, there's going to come a day where I'll vacuum my carpet and the lines will stay there. <laughs> so for now, I'm just going to value the age and stage and the Lego and the popcorn all over my floor and just... That's awesome. I love that. And family claps. Beautiful. <laughs> so um, something that I really um, enjoy about um, or that I wanted to share about the Father's love and, um, you know, how we can demonstrate that well in, in motherhood and also, you know, just as people loving others is knowing the selfless love of Christ. And um, because, you know, if the parents in the room know that when you become a parent, you, you get to know pretty quickly what a selfless love is because you have a human being that is dependent on you, you know, and at different ages that dependency changes. But right at the beginning, you know, it's pretty relentless dependence upon you. And so there's no space and there's no time to be selfish um, within those moments. So I think um, knowing and... Um, having a great grasp on the Father's selfless love and and the act of um, the ultimate act of love that He did for us, that He gave His only Son to um, come to this earth and to be um, sacrificed for us, so that we could be in a relationship with Him and love Him and um, be able to experience that Father's love. 
um, I think is incredible and being able to show that to our kids. You know, I was blessed that I grew up in an incredible family. I had such incredible loving parents and um, knowing that selfless love that they showed me because of their relationship with the father um, was such an incredible blessing and that's what I, I hope that I'm passing down to my, my kids um, is that beautiful um, father's heart, that selfless love of the father. Um, but also I think one of the best things that we can do for our kids is to love, love God first and to spend time in, with him first um, and also to love our husband or our wife. I think that, speak vol- that speaks volumes to our children and it's such a um, blessing to them when they see their parents in love and when they see um, what it's like to demonstrate a relationship with, with Father God. And, you know, I know for me personally, when I have that relationship, that closeness with the Father, I'm a much better mum. You know, I've got t- stacks more patience. Um, you know, I can, I can be stretched further than, than what I can be, obviously, when I don't um, have that time with him. So, yeah, that's my little two cents worth. Um, and the final question that we just wanted to share with you this morning is why is it important to have a healthy balance between loving our children by being soft and nurturing and loving our children by applying healthy methods of discipline to direct and to guide them? This is awesome. This is probably me down to a T. I'm a little bit like Pastor Brad. I like balance, but I like boundaries and things I'm like things a bit structured but in saying that too you know I just reflected you know this is such the father's heart for us again but you know one of the things I was looking at was the way I guess I grew up and to the way my children are growing up I didn't grow up in a Christian home Um, the discipline was very different and there was a lot of things going on in the house at the time but when I look now I thought you know, one of the things I was thinking, if we don't have a balance, then we'll be definitely dealing with consequences and having to repair the issues later on in their life when they're adults. And, um, you know, so if we can teach our children the good consequences and the bad consequences, they're actually going to grow up a lot more balanced. When none of us are perfect, like I'm way from perfect and I'm sure my kids will have issues that they will need to deal with. (laughs) But in saying that, I just pray that, you know, God can, can as he, he is soft, like, um, you know, it's important to nurture and be soft as it shows the kids compassion, it shows empathy, it shows them a caring and a gentle side where that needs to be. And we all need to have that and be able to show that to others because that is God, that is Jesus come, he was one of the most compassionate. But at the same time, um, you know, um, we need to have those boundaries. We need to have discipline and correction. And I think that's as equally important in, in um, you know, for our kids to stay on course, we need to steer them correctly. And um, hopefully, you know, as they get older, um, you do this as, because God calls us to do that and we do it in love as well. It doesn't have to be, um, so, um, have to be too harsh or too whatever, but you know, the Lord shows us each and how we need to be parents in that area. One example for me, I guess, um, consequences has always been the big word in our house. It's like I tried to smack and never worked. None of that worked for me, but my kids, so it's like consequences were the thing for us. It's like, you know, you do something good, you get good consequences. You do something bad, you get bad consequences. 
and I really want them to take that into their whole life. Um, when the big thing for me is, I guess, my love language was words of affirmation. The power of life is in the tongue. Life and death is in the tongue. So this is a big thing in my house, what the kids speak over each other. So ever since they've been little, when they've fought and they've called each other names, I've always been on it. Dan will know. He's hated doing it all the time. Um, him and Chloe, they speak badly. Still now, they speak badly over each other. They have to sit down. They have to speak 10 good words over each other. They're hating each other at the time. They want to pull each other's hair out. The last thing they want to do is speak something nice to the other person. Um, and so this has been what I've... I've um, is, it's been one of the, our family values was to speak life over to each other or don't speak anything. And, and also, too, in that is, is, is that, that power of forgiveness, you know, was for me is like... Um, Okay, if Dan's called Chloe an idiot, it's like, oh, Chloe, you need to forgive him. Are you ready to do that yet? And sometimes she's not, and that's okay as well. So it's teaching them that it has to be done, but just let them process it. If they're angry, let them process it. So, you know, this is, you can be nurturing and soft and just having that discernment of when to do what. So, um, yeah, so I guess for me, the scripture I got out of that was in Hebrews. It was, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so I, as a mum, think the balance is important because I want to see my children grow up to be um, fruitful, to have righteousness in their hearts and to be able to teach that to their kids as a generational blessing. Quite hard to follow, I guess. Um, um, okay. Um, I think I've spent a lot of my motherhood in this area um, trying to reverse generational stuff. Um, when you come from a background where um, you hear a lot of, you know, I only, I only gave you hiding because we love you. And, uh, you know, we don't want to do this, but, you know, so I've had uh, many years um, in my motherhood to have to... Turn all of the turn the tables and, and really trust in God. So I guess for me as a mum, I've had to go, um, I've had to run to God a lot um, and ask God, what do I do? What do I say? And you know, I'm not saying I do that every time because there's sometimes where things have come out of my mouth. Where um, a little example where um, Shiloh, I mean, he's amazing. He's got his own little personality, and I said to him one day about cleaning his room, you know, why are you so lazy? Da, 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 da. And he says, and then I waited for the answer, and he looked at me and he said, "Because you say I am." Ooh. And I said, "Okay, that's not. That's, we're not going to change the question. <laughs> Let's rephrase that. Why doesn't the room get clean? You know." And then God says, "You know." And so God has had to teach me the importance of the balance of being kind to my kids while I'm trying to teach them. Um, you know, uh, if you do this, this is what happens. And um, I've had to come away from uh, a generation of punishment to um, talking to them in love and showing that God's kindness to them and then coming up with a solution instead of just, you know, putting them in a holding cell and say, you can just stay there until I feel better, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so I think it's more about me trying to find balance. Um, so, <laughs> but... 
So, um, I don't know, maybe the question should have been asked to Daniel or Sam. They'll probably give you a more <laughs> better answer. But, um, yeah, so God's had to show me that, you know, for me to, you know, we have five sons. And it's always been my heart to see my sons grow up to be strong and, um, and balanced and healthy in the Lord. And I remember I've got this thing about cleaning and Daniel and Sam are wonderful in the house, I have to say. And one day, I think it was Daniel says, you know, why do you get us to, you know, clean the toilet and da-da-da? And I said, because you may have a wife that doesn't want to do housework. She may be career-focused. So who's going to clean the toilet? Not her. And, she, and he's like, oh, I said, you know, that's, that's been me. I say to my sons, you've seen mum in the kitchen cleaning, but that doesn't mean your wives are going to be like that. You know, and it teaches you how to deal with limit. You know, things in the world are, are not the same as in mummy's house. You know, it's very different. So it's always been my heart to raise them to, you know, um, be balanced and, and know that when I get out there, I can do what mum says we should be doing. And um, and just even with our daughter, um, she's very different. Um, I love Kiana because probably because she's the only daughter. Um, <laughs> But there are very things like for her, I see, you know, she's like, oh, mummy, you know, do we have to do this? And do we have to clean it? I said, yes, because, and she looks at me like, oh, that's just boring. <laughs> and, and so I pray, you know, Lord, give her a husband that, you know, will be, be equal to her and help her. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think she's going to be like me in that way, but um, maybe she'd be career focused, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, just like Cass said, to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, to be strong and to know who they are um, and not to think that, you know, I don't ever want the kids to grow up thinking in their adult life, I did all this bad and now I'm going to have to reverse. I don't want them to have to live the same life I've had to live in the kingdom, having to turn the tables, reverse, cut off, strip off, shake off. I mean, I hopefully me and my husband can do all the shaking and shifting for them and they'll have like a clean <laughs> pathway. I don't know. There you go. Um, my biggest thing from this was the fact that um, me as a mum and my husband and I as a married couple, we are not in this alone. And God set the bar as as a parent and, you know, he he is the ultimate in the balance of discipline and grace. Um, so a lot of the times we catch ourselves and for me I really needed to understand that motherhood's not about perfection and sometimes I get it wrong. A lot of the time I get it wrong um, and I have to go to my children and say, hey, guys, I'm really sorry. Mummy's got a really bad headache and I reacted rather than I thought through what I was what I was doing and that was my fault. That's not you. And they're so gracious and they go, yeah, no worries, Mum, it's okay. Um, so just as a practical thing, we do – we practice the pause in our house. So we try and just take a minute and stop. So – Sometimes when Nate especially is my little tornado at the moment, so I will walk into my ensuite and there'll be um, powder everywhere. Like it's like it's snowed in my ensuite. And I'll just kind of look at it and I'll walk away, go and get the camera, take a photo, because I remember that one day I will miss this. Um, and so sometimes, <laughs> sometimes getting the camera, I know it sounds really silly, uh, it, it actually helps me to find five seconds to breathe 
and not react or uh, if I've stepped on a Lego for the 50th time that morning or, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, And Troy and I speak in code. Now, Matthew's in the room at the moment, so um, he will now clue into our secret. So, um, so, (laughs) so if... If both Troy and I are letting the stress of life get on top of us or either one of us is letting the stress of life get on top of us, I will say if Troy's starting to get a little bit angry or a little bit upset with the kids or just a little bit, they're getting under his skin, you can tell. Um, And I'll say, you're in the jungle, get out of the jungle. And... Um, <laughs> and he'll, he'll, he'll just go, oh, hang on. So sometimes it takes a bit of a third eye to go, just step back a little bit, you know, like what's really going on here. Um, and most of the time we can go, Troy will go, I've got this coming up at work and I'm stressed out. I'm like, okay, cool. They're on me at the moment. You go and do what you need to do. Um, so I think having a healthy partnership and a healthy um, balance is such a positive now, for all single mums and single parents and all this sort of stuff, I just take my – I absolutely applaud single parenthood. I absolutely do because, to me, you guys are incredible because you've got to wear so many hats. Um, and I know that I have a backstop and I can take my hat off sometimes and go and sit in the room and pray or listen to my worship music and just take a, a bit of a time out. Um, so yeah, so that was my sort of thing. And the other thing that I go back to every day is God's mercies are new every single morning. So every single morning and we don't go to bed angry in our household. So if the kids have got attitude or anything like that, we go in and fix it. It might be 9.30 at night, but it's worth the tired morning the next morning. Um, because you know what? We need a reset button too. And our kids, we talk about a reset button. So sometimes we'll put all the kids to sleep and it might be three o'clock in the afternoon. This happened just yesterday afternoon, 4.30 in the afternoon. I'm like, right, that's it. Everybody's angry at each other and we're all narky and, you know, everybody go to sleep. So we're in the car and they all close their eyes and, and I'm like, is everybody asleep? And Matthew was very, being very preteen. He's like, not yet. Like, okay, just take a minute, mate. Just take a minute. And so, and then I'm like, right, when we wake up, it's a new morning. So I just love the fact that God's grace stretches so far beyond our imperfections and so far beyond our bad days and our bad moments and our kids' bad days and bad moments because they have them too. And God's grace is just so infinitely beautiful. And so we can restart and have a new morning at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's cool too. And we so, so we do a lot of resetting sometimes. So, yeah. Awesome. I really don't think I need to say much more. What incredible wisdom and um, just love and grace we have um, in our mums. Um, something I did want to share is that, um, you know, in, in, in mothering and fathering and parenting, obviously you can take a lot of those, um, those wisdoms and, and that um, inside and you can apply it to everyday life as well um, whether you're a mum and dad or whether you're whether you're not either you know it's important to have those times where you can just reset where you can rely on the grace of God and you know having a bad day you feel like you're in the jungle <laughs> you can just run to the Lord and say father I just need your grace right now just reset me um, you know and take the new day in the middle of the afternoon <laughs> do it um, but you know it's something that I've learned with 
with Zara is that, um, and you know, she's been different too to discipline than than I've seen in um, even other children within our family. Um, because she is very much like Brad. She's um, incredible, (laughs) but very stubborn, very independent. Um, And so, you know, she'll, um, you know, smacking Zara does nothing. But because she's such a a people person as well, putting her in a timeout is like the worst thing in the world to her. It just brings her world crumbling down. And so um, you've got to learn what works for your kids. But you know what? Sometimes it's also knowing the balance of, and what Cass was saying, um, the balance of sometimes, you know, she's just acting out because she wants my attention or she wants a little bit of affirmation or love. And so, you know, she could be, um, and knowing as a parent or, you know, even as a friend sometimes, if you see that behaviour in, in others around you, sometimes it's just a hug. Sometimes it's just a, you know what, I just want to encourage you. I want to tell you how incredible you are. Um, and then that will... Um, will bring the behaviour 360. So, yeah, sometimes it's just a cuddle. Sometimes it's a little bit of a timeout with screaming. But it's also, I mean, I don't know what parents do without God. You know, I just am so thankful for the Lord and the Holy Spirit um, that can lead and, and guide us. Um, so, yeah, that was awesome. We have some awesome mums in this house. Let me just pass over back to my incredible hubby. All right, let's thank these beautiful mothers. We can just leave, we can actually leave the chairs up there, mate. That's fine. Um, I'll just ask for the pulpit to come um, because I'm going to preach down here today. How's everyone feeling? Good. Isn't it good to get insights like that from the mums? Um, And how amazing are are all of them at at speaking? Yeah? Um, So, what I wanted to do to finish off the service um, this morning is. really ask the Lord, because um, sometimes when we do Mother's Day services, I, I bring a word that's related to motherhood, or I'll make it very specific. Um, and so I asked God, what, what did he want me to bring? And I was reflecting on um, my, own, my own childhood, and actually I got to hang out with my mum who turns 80 this year. My mum, her name is Barbara, and, uh, and so she's, uh, <clears throat> she's a pretty dynamic woman, um, when I reflect on my childhood, though, there's a lot of positives, but there's also negatives. And one thing I think that when I wanted to, to bring a word today to everyone here, whether you're a mom, whether you're a spiritual mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're a young adult, uh, whether you're a preteen, um, I wanted to speak about the importance uh, in our lives and in our households and our families, wherever we are, if I take a leaf out of Katie's book, whatever age, whatever stage we're at as well, the importance of what we speak out uh, over our own lives and over our, our families, uh, the importance of, of our words and how powerful they are. Because one thing I would say, if there's be one thing, there's many things I could compliment about my childhood, but if there's one thing, if there's just one thing that I could change about my childhood, <clears throat> it would be the, the words that were spoken out in the atmosphere of our home. Um, that really shaped, I think, a lot of things that then I had to, uh, when I found the Lord um, at the age of 20, turning 21. For the first five years, my season walking with God was really Him doing surgery uh, on me. And it wasn't just me that was receiving 
uh, kind of that atmosphere in being raised. But I also kind of picked that up and I started to speak those own things over my life and speak that back to my family. Pretty much I got raised in a family that if you weren't loud enough, you weren't heard. And most of the times when we were loud, the motive, motive behind being loud was to, uh, to kind of aggressively get our, point of, or our opinion across and let people know what we thought of them in a negative way. And so it wasn't fantastic. But uh, the good thing is I can take some positive, positives out of my childhood, so I don't want it to sound all doom and gloom. But I think today I wanted to finish off this service with the importance of your words and how they shape your life. Uh, they shape the people around you. They shape yourself and they shape your future as well. So let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for this message, and I thank you, Lord, for your anointing upon it. I pray that it would bless people, and it would help to guide people and direct people, Lord, in making adjustments and changes where they need to, Father, to align to these fruitful principles in what words we speak out in our life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So I hope you're blessed today by this. So what I'm calling it is change your words, change your world, and shape your future. And the first point I want to talk about is looking at the example of God himself, that God actually shapes and continues to shape uh, uh, the world and shapes things by the power of his own ability to speak things out. So what I want us to understand is, is that we're going to look at a scripture that talks about how you and I as human beings, we are made in the image of God. And because we're made in the image of God, uh, we have to look at the ability that God has himself to shape things and to create things because uh, because we're made in God's image we have that same ability as well so I want to look at Genesis chapter 1 we're going to go right to the beginning Um, and this is a this is a message that I've spoken a couple times over the life of our church but I felt to to bring more of a shorter version of this message to remind us all about the power of our speech and in this uh, scripture it says the earth was formless and voids talking right at the beginning of creation and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters verse 3 then God said let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness so the key here in verse 3 is God said, let there be light. But also in the first verse, it says, if you look at the, the scripture even before it, that the Holy Spirit was hovering over um, the, the, the facelessness of the earth. So God was moving and then God spoke. And so God, if you look at who God is, who our creator is, he has the ability to create things by speaking. Everyone say create. And what we've got to understand is we have the same ability. In fact, you and I were given the ability to talk first and foremost to create, secondly, to communicate. So let me ask you this. If the main reason why you were given the ability to speak was it so you could create your world like God, how are you going in using that primary use of communicating? How are you going in using your voice and what you speak to create your world. Because a lot of times we think the main reason why we have the gift to talk is to communicate, right? Who here uses the gift of talking to communicate to other people? Yes, we all do, right? But if you have the revelation that your number one, the number one reason why you have the ability to talk is not to communicate, the number one reason why you and I have the ability to talk is to create our world, Um, because that's the creative power and ability in our God, and we're actually made in the same likeness and the image of God. So we can utilize that same capability to create our world. So how God shapes his world is exactly how we shape our world. And when we look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, then God said, "'Let us make man in our image.'" 
according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So it's kind of a little bit repetitive there saying, hey, you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. Everyone say image and everyone say likeness. So you and I are similar to God. We're like God. We're not God, but we are part of his DNA, right? Who knows that uh, when you look at your parents, you can see aspects of your parents in you, right? There's a likeness. There's a code. There's a DNA. Who, who, who notices that? Who, who knows as a parent, you can see there's parts of your DNA in your children, right? And so uh, that's because we uh, can reproduce. And so God actually reproduces his capability within us as well. When you get this revelation, I'm going to use the word that Sarah thinks is a bit old school, folks. Hey, folks, how are you? Folks, when you can get this revelation, can I tell you, it will help you to really better lead um, and have dominion over your own life. Let me say that to you, because an unruly tongue and just not having an understanding that what you speak over your life can create problems in your world. So understanding that we have this creative ability. Verse 27, it talks about now this ability. There's a why behind it. Why were we given? Why is it that God has made us in his likeness? Because he talks about that we're called to take dominion. So the next one is, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you know what I love about, if you keep reading this part of Genesis, it talks about how Adam and Eve were given the opportunity to do what? To name the animals. Did you notice that? So that was one first opportunity for them to practice their ability to create and to actually give identity to something, to have dominion over things, to be able to name things. Can I tell you, one of the early seasons of seeing Zara raised up, Zara loves being able to, uh, you know, when you start to talk to her and she starts to learn how to talk. One of the things I noticed about Zara that she really got excited about and energized about when she was learning how to talk was being able to name things. She always wanted to name something. Dog, cat, right? And you could see something light up on the inside of her because there's something within her, her image. There's something within her identity. To be able to name something, she's able to have a sense of kind of like a dominion, right? A sense of that I'm a human being and I have the ability to kind of name things and call things. And this is why we say that when, you know, I think Cassie's great story there that, oh, no, it wasn't Cassie, it was Scylla talking about um, one of her children and, and, and you, you know, saying the word lazy. And then she, she realized that when the, her child challenged her back, well, that's because you, that's what you said. And so as a mom and as parents, we learn that you know, the things that we say of our children actually can shape their world. And so we have to sometimes kind of, you know, under the grace of God, take a step back, think, okay, how can I fine-tune this? But I want you to think about this in terms of you right now, whatever season of life you're in. How are you going with your speech? How are you going with the words in your life? What are you speaking out over yourself? What are you speaking out over your situations? What are you speaking over over your family? What are you speaking over your workplace? What are you speaking over your dreams and goals? Because they are designed to come out of your mouth with creative power. And sometimes a creative power can have positive effect. And it can also have a negative effect depending on the angle of the attitude and the spirit that you're speaking things out. Who believes this? And so 
The first point is God shapes his world by speaking things out. He creates by speaking. And so because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we create things, whether they're good or whether they're not so good, by what we speak out. And so the third point I want to talk about is it's time to use our words to declare good things. It's time to use our words to declare good things. Now, there's an old saying, if you don't like what you see in your life, then adjust what you say. So if there's something in your world that you don't like right now, then adjust what you say. Uh, it's, a, it's a powerful thing, and I, I really want to encourage people to, to think about and reflect and think about from the beginning of this year through to now. What are we? We're in the fifth month, halfway through the fifth month. I want you to think, hey, how am I tracking right now? How am I going in what my speech life is in terms of my world? Um, I want to uh, talk about an article that I once read um, about some doctors who incorporated what they called talk therapy. And they had a series of patients who had, you know, um, horrible health problems and some of them were, you know, um, terminal and, you know, patients were asking, so have you had anyone that's lived through this? Have you had anyone who's been able to turn these situations around and circumstances around? And what the doctors did was that they actually apply what they call talk therapy. And so the doctors instructed the patients to start making positive declarations over their own lives, saying things like, I have a bright future, people like to be around me, good things are in store. It's kind of just, you know, simple statements. And the article goes on and says that some of the patients were depressed because they were facing life-threatening diseases and felt there was no hope. And so the doctor asked them, has anyone, ever, <clears throat> has anyone ever survived this disease? And the answers were always yes. And so he told them, well, then I want you to start saying, I will make it. I will be one of the people who beats the odds. Start to speak out your world. And those patients obeyed the doctor's orders. And amazingly, many of them not only came out of their depression, but they actually over, overcame their disease. And it's, it's time, you know, if we look at this, it's time for us to look at what words are we speaking out. And I, what I want you to do right now is I want you to think about what would be the category of your life? What would be the main category of your life where you're the most negative? Just take time to reflect. What would be the one area? It could be two areas. It could be your finances. It could be a relationship. It could be the workplace. It could be your fitness. It could be just your general organization. It could be a sense of, you know, there's someone right now that I'm challenging in a loving way to stop talking out over their life that they don't know how to lead their own life. I just don't know what to do. I just don't know how to lead my own life. And so I've recently given them a book um, to encourage them to read that, to learn the steps of how do you start to lead your life? How do you start to, to do that? But the one thing I'm really challenging them is be careful what you keep saying because if you keep saying that, you're going to keep cementing in your own mindset that you can't lead your own life. It doesn't matter how much you read a book, you're going to keep believing that and that's going to manifest around you. These principles are the guiding principles that help me to shift out of a place of brokenness and defeat into a place of victory of my own life. These principles are the principles I'm going to be raising my children under because I know how incredibly instrumental they are. Can I say this to you? If I could right now, I'm not going to, but if I could like 
grab my leg and stamp it so hard on this floor, not in a necessarily an aggressive way, but so hard, like as a physical exclamation mark, to say how important these principles are for you to lead your own life and for you to be able to have a sense of dominion over your own life and not being feeling like you're controlled by all the circumstances around you. How critical and important this principle it is in starting to turn any situation around and to live a life of victory, it would be these principles. And I would, I'd like to, I'm not going to, but I'd like to just, you know, physically create an exclamation mark to say, you know, an exclamation mark is it's, it's, it's like, it's important. It's so important. So critical. So if you turn to the person next to you and they've fallen asleep because they had a late night watching football or whatever, just nudge them on the side and say, hey, you're missing the good bit. So things like it's time to use our words to declare good things. So speaking blessings over your life, speaking blessings over your family throughout the day, saying things like, I have the favor of God. I am strong and healthy. I am well able to do what I need to do. But don't wait to feel like that. The biggest key is if ever you wait to feel like doing something, right there you're lacking the key revelation required. The principle is when you sow it, then you hear it, then your thoughts start to change. Do you know that emotions and feelings never come from nowhere? They are a byproduct of your thoughts. Your emotions and your feelings are a byproduct of your thoughts. And how do you get your thoughts to change? See, if you're feeling down, it's because you're thinking things that are creating feelings of being down. So it's about addressing the thoughts that are going through your head. And some thoughts are what we call strongholds. They become so habitual that they're actually like creating train tracks in our mind, right? Where they're just running and running and running and running, where we actually now believe them. The way to start to counteract that is you've got to look at, um, because you are not your thoughts. The Bible says that you are your spirit, your, the core of who you are is here, and your spirit is aligned and believes by faith in the Word of God. Your mind can be in partnership with your spirit or can be in contradiction. And so when your thoughts are not thinking the same way that God's Word uh, declares upon your life, then you, the way to start to dislodge a stronghold is you've got to use the power of your creative speech. right? If, you, if you're thinking this, I am a disappointment I am uh, not someone who progresses. I am disorganized. I never seem to be able to manage my life or my world. Let's say that's a strong hold in your mind. That's what you think about yourself. Uh, The way to dislodge that is you've got to find scripture that says what God says about you, right? That you're an overcomer, that you're victorious in Christ Jesus, that you are the first, not the last, that you are above and not beneath, right? Come on now, that you're a person of victory, you have the undefeatable spirit of God in you. That's the truth. And then you've got to start to declare those things because what happens is when you declare those things, you're activating the creative power of God within you because when God said, let there be light, there was light, right? So when you start to speak things out, it may not shift straight away, but watch this, your ear that is actually then going to bring um, some teaching to your brain, your ear hears yourself say that and then it starts to... 
It starts to dislodge. It starts to shift. It starts to change the train track, and it starts to change the direction of that thought into something else. Uh, I know this, and I can speak about this with faith and conviction because what I just taught right there is what I did. And I taught it not because I discovered it myself. I was mentored and, and taught that this is what you need to do, this biblical principle, and I did it. And I tell you, I mean, it took about a period of, say, two years, but my whole identity shifted. I have the favor of God. I am strong and healthy. I am well able to do what I need to do. You know, mental health is so critical these days. You know, they look at the actual physical health being and poverty and the setback of third world nations and developing nations. The, the biggest chronic issue right now in the developed nations is mental health. Um, and I think the reason why there's so many reasons, right? I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I'm an, a mental health expert. In fact, we've actually got about four or five mental health experts in our church. Amen. How cool is that? Um, some of them are our pastoral team, which is cool. Uh, but what I do know is this, is that there's many variables that are at play, which leads to poor mental health. But I think one of those variables is when people falsely think that their thoughts are their identity. See, when you listen to your voice in your head, and if you think that's you, and that you can't change your thoughts, you'll be locked in, in, in a prison that's dictated by those thoughts. Uh, you're not your thoughts. Uh, you are your spirit and uh, your spirit man and woman. When you give your life to Christ, you become born again of the spirit of God, the undefeatable, uncorruptible uh, spirit of God. And that's in partnership with truth, which is the word of God. And when your spirit can align to the truth of God and you can, with the creative power of God, speak the word of God um, and, and, and affirmations and, and statements that are in alignment with the word of God out of your mouth, even if you don't believe them yet, it will start to shape your thinking. And this is what we call, um, you know, the instruction of Jesus when he said, you know, make sure you're, you're, you've got to shape your thought life. When, when we look even in the, um, in the books of the Bible, in the New Testament, where it says it's important not to be uh, conformed to the world, but to shape your thinking by renewing your mind. And we have to always be renewing our minds. And so the renewal of the mind comes your mind actually starts to get shaped and formed because the words that you speak out and therefore what you're speaking out shapes your thinking and what your thinking does is it helps to shape your attitudes and your beliefs and your values about yourself and about your world and then therefore that causes you to make certain choices and then those choices, if you make them consistently, create habits and your habits is what shapes the destiny around you. Turn to the person next to you and say it's all linked What you say about yourself has greater impact on you than anything anybody else says about you. What you say about yourself, what you speak over your own life, what you speak out, this is why we've got to catch ourselves in moments of doubt, in moments of fear. If you just kind of let it go out, what it does is it reinforces that stronghold and it will create a prison of limitation in your life. That's why we talk so much about breakthrough in this church. Uh, one of the biggest things we have to break through is our own thinking, our own mindsets. Uh, I, I think sometimes the strongest and most effective prisons that hold people back is their thinking. And the biggest key to unlock you out of that prison is getting your speech and your ability to create your own world with 
what you say. I want you to think about even when you come to church. What's your persona like when you come into the house of God? What's your body language like when you come to church? When someone says, so how are you? Now, you, you may not be having a great time. But if 52 Sundays a year and you come to church and you ask, so how are you? And most of the time, if it's always, oh, well, yeah, not good. Okay. Now, look, I'm a big believer in being authentic. I'm not into the kind of being, yeah, everything's great, thanks. Praise Jesus. And wearing what we call the yucky, sickly, sweet Christian mask, right? There are times when you'll pull a mentor aside and you'll have a conversation. But can I say this to you? How are you going in practicing the habit of actually speaking out positivity, speaking out truth, speaking out victory, speaking out a sense of momentum in your life, even when you're not necessarily seeing it. Watch this. When it comes to taking dominion, it's about being proactive. When you always say something based on what you see, not only are you not in faith, but you're very reactive. Your life is dictating to you. See, when you speak something out, even when you can't see it, that's actually practical faith. Because it says faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith, combined with your words, shapes your world. When you keep speaking things out in response and in reaction to what's going on, you will keep reinforcing the circumstance and the situation environment that you're currently in, and you'll get locked up in what we call a prison of circumstances. Now, there's always one exception to this that I always bring in terms of balance. Maybe there's something that you're believing for and you've been believing for it for years and you've been doing all this. And you've been speaking out, speaking out, speaking out, speaking it out. And you haven't necessarily seen a, sh- a change or a shift. I want to encourage you today. Because if there's been a moment where you've been faithful with this principle but you haven't seen the creative power actually manifest, first of all, One of the reasons why God's getting you to apply this principle is not just to see the blessing come, but also to shape who you are. So even if you haven't seen the breakthrough, there's breakthrough on the inside of you because you're a different person because you've persevered with this principle and God is shaping the inside of you. That's going to be important for whatever future you've got to walk out. The other key is, is if you've been believing for something, sometimes God will cause us to go through a season to shape us. But then if it doesn't break through in the way that we're expecting, it forces us to go back into the presence of God and pray and say, God, maybe I'm perceiving it to manifest in a certain way, but God, you're wanting it to manifest in another way. See, God's word will never return void. You will see a breakthrough or a promise manifest if you apply this principle consistently. But maybe the promise will look a little bit different to what you first thought. So don't, don't be discouraged, but just go back into the the intimate time with God and say, God, help me to see it the way you want me to see it. Did you know that when you say 
What you say about yourself has greater impact on you than anything anybody else says about you. Do you know, I was reading an article. Uh, this man is a Christian and he's also got a, a science and a psychology background, but he's a strong man of God. And he talked about when he saw people breaking out of defeat into victory, he notices was one key thing in their mindset journey that God had to help them to break through in, in order for them to break through overall. And the article went on and said, he called it the deserve factor. Everyone say deserve. Not the dessert. Mm. The deserve factor. (laughs) And the deserve factor was this. He said, people have to start understanding that what the word of God says about them, they deserve it to happen. Not that they've earned the right because it's the grace of God. They're not perfect. It's God. But when we say the blessing and the favor, you don't earn it. But when you know through the blood of Jesus that you're the son or the daughter of the most high God, you have an inheritance, not because you've earned it, but because it's been freely given to you, then you are able to be okay We're saying, hey, I want this future. This is mine. I'm going to take it. I'm taking dominion. It's going to happen. He said the number one reason why people don't break out into being able to speak out their word and they stay in defeat is because something in their heart has convinced them they actually don't deserve the breakthrough. They don't deserve it. They're not worthy. They're destined to be broken in Louisville for the rest of their life. He said, there's such a key here. You know, I shared with some of the young adults a couple of weeks ago that, and I've shared this before at church, you know, I had a season, the first year of being a Christian where I had to walk into my pastor's office at the time and I had to sit him down and said, you know what? I really want my life to start to turn around and I'm in love with God. But I sit here before you with absolute vulnerability and I want you to know, I do not believe that God wants to bless me. I just don't believe. I believe God wants to bless other people. But there's something about my identity where I'm still believing that I'm just not worthy to receive anything that God would want to bring good into my life. My pastor said this. He said, okay. So how long are you going to continue believing that absolutely stinking rotten lie? He said, how long are you going to allow that lie to live in your head and your heart? Because if you allow it to live in your head and your heart, it's going to hold you back. Not through anything that you've done, but Brad, because of what Jesus has done. Because he's whole, because he is worthy. You can now take a claim of all the inheritance of the promises for God. And it's yes and amen for you. And then he said this, as much as I want to. As much as I want to, Brad, I'd love to put my hand into your brain and bring the shift to your thinking. I'd love you to believe that you are deserving to receive what God has freely paid the price for. But he said this, but I can't. I can't do that. God can do that. But you've got to invite him in to do that. And so what I did was I, I, I said thank you to my pastor. And then I went and I spent time with the Lord. I said, God, help me. I need you to do some hard heart and, and, and thinking surgery on me because I just don't believe 
that I should be allowed to be okay to say, hey, I want to receive all the good things that God has for me. That God, I believe that, you know, you would want to turn things around for me. And so God actually changed something in my heart and my mind. And I started to think differently. I started to think this. I'm a person of dominion and God wants the best for me. God wants to see the brokenness, the addiction to drugs, all the things in my life, the, the curse of my childhood, the bad habits, the broken relationships, the mismanagement of finances, the sense of just being an absolute defeated, disorganized, can't get my life together, loser. God wants to turn that around. And you know what? I deserve it because I've just said yes to Jesus and Jesus has paid the price. And so you know what? I haven't earned it, but I deserve it. I deserve it because of the price that he paid. As soon as that changed in my heart, man, I started, my speech started to change. I started to study scriptures and declare them on my life, that I am blessed and highly favored. And bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit, my life started to turn around. My question to you today is, how are you going with that? I would say it is one of the most critical and important principles for you to build into your life. Now, you may be sitting here going, yeah, but Brad, when I go to do it, I just get angry. I get frustrated. You know what? I get that. Because sometimes we're so frustrated with our life, we can feel angry. Can I tell you that when you start to speak things out, that align with the, with the word of God, it will deal with the anger. This is the thing I'm saying. Don't wait to feel like it. Many people are overly critical of themselves, saying, "I'm so clumsy. I can't do anything right. I'm so overweight. I never get back. In, I'll never get back into shape. I, uh, I never get into good breaks." They may not realize it, but they are cursing their future by continuing to say those things over their life. And those words sink into their minds. And before long, they develop a defeated mentality, low self-esteem, and a diminished confidence. And worse yet, those negative mindsets can then interfere with God's plan for their lives. Because the number one thing that makes the promises of God manifest is the principle of agreement. And if you're in constant disagreement with what God's word says about you and what God's promises declare over you, you're not able to start to walk out those things. This was illustrated with Jesus himself. He used a particular example to teach the disciples about the power of the tongue. That you and I, because we're made in the image of God, we have the ability to exercise the same creative ability like God. Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 to 22, it talks about Jesus cursing a fig tree. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. And then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. You know, like uh, in uh, The Wizard of Oz where 
Dorothy throws the water on the Wicked Witch. Oh, I'm Kind of like picture like that, but, you know, the tree not talking. <laughs> Immediately the tree withered. Verse 20, when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked Jesus. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. One of the best ways to to catch this is that you do have the ability to curse and you do have the ability to bless. And what we're going to understand is sometimes we may be tempted to curse other people because we just don't like them. But the reality is when you curse, the curse actually ends up cursing you. Right? And uh, without getting too heavy and too intense, when Christians curse, it can turn into what we call charismatic witchcraft and that all becomes yucky and messy. Right, for them. And so we're called to bless. We're called to bless other people. We're called to to speak words of life over others, to speak words of life over situations. We're called to also speak words of life over ourselves. We're called to bless God with our words, and we're called to bless our household and create an atmosphere of faith and love. Uh, Not always easy because we're not perfect. There's moments when we fall short and we might let a curse go out here and a curse go out there, but it's important to enable your, the household of where you are and your life to be dominated. If we look at the word dominion, there'll be times when we fall short, but dominate your speech with faith and with victory. One of the best ways to break free from strongholds and negativity is simply by speaking words of victory. Every day declare, God's word says I'm strong. God is fighting my battles for me. I'm excited about my future. And you may say this, but Pastor Brad, how can I say that if I don't believe it? How can I say that if, if, I, if I believe something else? Well, this is the key. You want to find a scripture, which is truth, that aligns to what you're going to say. And that's the truth, right? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So don't wait to believe it. Just find the truth. Even if you don't believe the truth, you know it's the truth. So you can anchor yourself on the truth, even when you don't feel like it's the truth or believe it's the truth right now. And you find the scripture that's aligned to what you want to say and what you want to see happen, and you start speaking it out. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. When you start to find a scripture to anchor on, to speak that over your life, you will start to hear that, and that will start to change how you feel, and that will start to build faith. So then when you continue to speak it, the muscle of faith that starts to get behind what you're speaking starts to grow, and therefore it starts to activate the power of faith on that, so things start to change. But a lot of people will go, oh, but I can't even start, because what's the point if I just say it out, I don't really believe it? Well, that's not the key to starting. You just got to find the truth, even if you don't believe it, anchor on it, start speaking it out. Faith comes... By hearing the word of God. When you start to hear yourself speaking the word of God, you'll start to believe it. Maybe you're lonely because you don't have a lot of friends. So instead of complaining, start declaring, God is bringing great people into my life. I know he loves me so I can risk loving others. And you find a scripture, right? Even when it says Jesus is your friend, find a scripture that anchors to what you need, find the scriptures to help you. Speak blessings over your life. And as you do, you'll go out with more confidence. You'll be more aligned to the word of God. You'll be able to connect with people 
in more of a victorious way, which opens up more fruitful relationships, you will attract new friends. When discouragement comes, instead of sitting back and accepting it, say, no, I am a victor and I'm not a victim. I may have been defeated before, but the past is the past. This is a new day. So I'm not saying it needs, I'm saying it needs a little bit more depth to kind of the stereotypical American motivational speaker where they say to look in a mirror and say, just look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's going to be a great day and it will be a great day. (laughs) Everyone say superficial. Okay, the word of God gives you the depth. You're going to find specific scripture to anchor to. It doesn't always have to be scripture, but the words have to relate to the scripture. But you need to anchor everything to the scripture because you know that that's what builds the faith. So when you start to create your world, your faith grows behind what you're saying. It's not enough just to think it. You need to hear it. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Jason and Shanata to come, please. It's not enough just to think it, you need to hear it because what we constantly hear ourselves saying will eventually be the things that we believe. What we constantly hear ourselves saying. If you're struggling financially, remind yourself repeatedly, I am the head and not the tail. I will lend and I will not borrow. Everything I touch will prosper and succeed. Now, you may be speaking that over your situation and you're looking at a situation going, "Mm, it's not manifesting yet. I'm still broke and poor, but you know what? I'm not going to speak that over my life. Oh, Brad, I can't say that. You may be thinking none of that is true in my life. Yes, it is true. That's what faith is all about. The world says you need to see it to believe it, but God says you must believe and then you'll see it. And I am... A living testimony to that. Didn't even plan to cry. (laughs) Just a moment with God here. Great anointing here. I think I just really sensed the Father's heart here today. Thanks, mate. (laughs) Thanks, Leroy. I feel the heart of God just wanting to help us. Uh, I can sense Him just his heart beating for for people he sees the the potential in all of us Uh, 
and I can just <clears throat> feel his heart for. He wants to see us have fun and be strong and victorious. And even though at times we feel weak, he declares that he is strong where we are weak. When I left university, God said, stand on the cliffs of, what's the suburb called, honey? Kangaroo Point, thank you. I studied advertising and marketing. And I was so afraid to go into full-time work because I'd never done it. You know when you complete a university degree, you think you're going to feel confident? You feel so less confident than you think or whatever study because it all feels like it's still theory in your head. And he said, go to the Kangaroo Point Cliffs and point over to the city and start to speak out that a door of opportunity is going to open to you in an advertising agency for your first job. And he said, son, go and stand there. And you may not believe it to begin with, but find the scriptures and point and speak it out. And I went there every day for about four weeks. And I did some practical things as well, like, you know, getting resumes out and emailing a couple of people. But every single time I went for an interview, nothing was opening. They're saying, well, hey, you got two degrees. That's great, but you got no experience. But I kept going to the cliffs and I kept pointing and I kept speaking. And God, I could feel the faith in me, rising up. And after four and a half weeks, I get this call on my phone. And it's the director of an advertising agency in Brisbane saying, Bran, I don't know why I'm calling you because we don't have any opportunities. But there's just something about your resume. And I want to call you in and just get an idea of who you are and what you're wanting to do. And so I went to this interview and I felt such favor on my life. I could just feel God was with me. And they offered me the job. And that was a starting point to my career. And I used that principle. It was even one person in our old church who was so frustrated because they were in a, they were in a workplace career and they were, about, they were believing for promotion. And this person found out they were a Christian and they just hated Christians. And for a six-month period, he felt there was such a ceiling upon him. And he came and we had coffee. And I said, I want to share this with you. I want you to speak into that workplace. And I want you to declare the favor of God that's upon you in that workplace. And I want you to declare that, that a door is going to open. I want you to speak out your world and find the scriptures and keep speaking it out in your private prayer time. Just speak it out. I want you to do it for six weeks consistently. At the end of that six-week period... That CEO who'd been in that company for 20 years who hated this person because they'd found that he was a Christian was removed from that business. And immediately this person was promoted. Now, it doesn't always have to be as dramatic as that. But God's saying today, sons and daughters, it's time to arise into a place of creating your world and speaking out things. You know, when my young adult life was crippled by debt and my filing cabinet, there were three drawers full of bills and things. And I'd 
I'd speak to those, all those bills. Feeling like I'm just a uni student. How am I going to? I would mismanage my finances. Took out private loans. Couldn't afford them. Spent money on my dad's Amex overseas and had to own thousands of dollars that he held me to. Amen. My first couple of years as a Christian, I thought, well, I'm just in so much debt. So I'd have private times in prayer where I'd get out the scriptures and I'd speak. I'd literally point to the filing cabinets. I'd open them up and I'd say, this debt is going to go in Jesus' name and I'm going to rise up with financial intelligence. And as I read books around how I can manage my finances, God, you're going to bless my mind. You're going to give me vision and you're going to give me strategy to overcome this. And I am the head and not the tail. And something on the inside of me started to rise. With my marriage, dating Sarah, I mean, she was the most amazing prize for me. And yet she, she shared with me when we started going out that, you know, a couple of previous boyfriends, she'd always come to this place and have doubt and then she'd break up with them. <laughs> and there was this moment, actually at the Kangaroo Point Cliffs, where she just wasn't opening and conversing with me. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh no, it's that moment. <laughs> so I went home. And I got out all the scriptures and I declared over my life that God, if this is your will, this is the woman of my destiny and I'm going to marry Sarah Bailey. She's going to be my wife and we're going to be married and we're going to be blessed and we're going to be highly favored of the most high God. And there's going to be anointing that's going to pour upon us and our children and our children's children are going to be blessed. They're going to be raised up in the house of God and we're going to help and partner with you, Jesus, to build the kingdom of God. Could I tell you the next time I saw her, an atmosphere shifted. But she says she just wasn't feeling that great. But I didn't know that. <laughs> Our home. You know, where we want to live, the type of home that we want, but more importantly, the atmosphere of our home. Now, look, we're not perfect. Our great friend Holly, who lives with that, knows that. Sarah and I, we disagree passionately sometimes. So the atmosphere of our home is definitely not perfect. But the dominant part of it, the majority of it, we speak blessing. And we, we pray into the atmosphere and we're always declaring the word of God. You know, this church building here, which was a struggle because we're in different places like God bless Fitzy's at Logan Home, but remember we were meeting at Fitzy's? And some of you don't know necessarily, that, but, you know, I was struggling to understand what God was doing because there was one building where we were going to take a lease that would have probably really just been so tough for us to afford as a church. But we just knew and, 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 and there was not a door opening and it was just so frustrating. We'd move from Paddington to Logan and, and then the building at Logan was being taken over by another community group. And then we had to move out of there and we had to be at Fitzy's and, and I was just pulling my hair out. And God says, what are you doing with your speech? Stand up and speak out. So I started to speak out. Provision, provision. God, bring forth. Lord, it's your promises. I got all the scriptures out. And then just the end of that week, we got a phone call from friends who heard about this building and knew about this building where they're actually renting out the dance studios. And get this, they said, for nine months, 
we thought to call you and say, hey, you should check out this building. But just now we felt we really needed to call you and say, hey, you need to check out this building. And I said to God, nine months. What? But you know what? Something had to shift in that nine months in me and in Pastor Sarah. You know, just a couple of months ago, Zara had such a full-on cough and it would get really worse at night and she just couldn't sleep and she was just coughing, a really full-on, phlegmy, phlegmy cough. She just couldn't get to sleep. It was, it was just escalating. And Sarah would go in, we gave her the medication and cough syrup and it would work the night before. And, and as Sarah's there giving her more medication and trying to put, you know, what's it called, Vicks on her chest and... I just sat in bed. I said, God, what do I do? And he said, well, you do what I've trained you to do, son. You get out of bed. You walk into that room. And you use your creative mouth with my word. And you tell that cough to go. You move that mountain. And so I started praying. I lay hands on Zara's head and I started praying. And I said, I speak to this cough. And in the name of Jesus, I command this cough to leave Zara's body. And I kept praying. And I kept praying. And within two minutes, it not only diminished, she just stopped coughing. And we all got such a great night's sleep. Can I tell you, we needed it. Everyone just bow your heads. Close your eyes. Jesus. Beautiful God, on this special day, Mother's Day, Lord, move here today among your people and activate in a new way And in a bold way, activate the revelation that our communication is an ability for us to create our world and to shape our future. Father, right now, shift some hearts, shift some minds. Lord, where people have been in places of defeat, disappointment. Lord, where they've felt derailed. Pour in. And I declare here that this is a new day. This is a brand new day. We're going to arise and we're going to shine and we're going to create our world. I see people here speaking words of life in the kitchen, in the bathroom, in the car driving to work. And to finish off, I hear God just releasing this strategic word. In this season, the atmosphere around you is like your garden in life. And your words are seed. And I'm entrusting with you a power to reap a harvest. God says, go forth from this day 
and speak life and speak my word and speak it with faith into the atmosphere, planting seeds. And God says, as you do that, you will see the seeds grow and bear fruit. And God says the fruit will represent the breakthrough, will represent the promises. It's going to represent the turnaround. God also says, do not despise small beginnings. So if a week goes by, two weeks go by, and you don't see any change, God says, keep going. Keep pursuing, keep holding on. For I'm going to bring a great outcome from your diligence of sowing seed. So Father, anoint your people today in a brand new way, speaking life, creating our future in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's just give God a clap offering here.